All right, if you got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Second Samuel chapter 10 is where we're going to be at the entire time. Um, we are starting a brand new series today called Acrostics, and I'm going to take the next several weeks. I don't know how many weeks it's going to be, but it's going to be a few for sure. I'm going to pick a word, and well, um, that's what the sermon is going to be about. Uh, a bunch of words made out of one word. Um, it should be really interesting and hopefully pretty fun. Um, I've got some pretty fun things planned for um, some messages for illustrations, and so um, should be really cool. The series that we're going to do after this is about getting past church hurt, and that's how we're going to end up, this, uh, wind out the summer, so um, that should be really fun too. Um, and so for this message, for week number one, it's always difficult when you start a new series um, because you got to set up the series and, and then in the first message you got to kind of introduce topics that maybe you're going to talk about through the rest of the series. And, and so that's kind of what's going to happen um, in this message. I'll, I'll probably say another message for another time a lot and that just means that we're going to talk about those in the coming weeks. Um, but for this message, I, I, I'm telling you, I want to have fun in this series and so I wanted to do something really fun. But the staff wouldn't play along. And when I say staff, I mean just Mike. Like, I, I tried to have an actual illustration. Like, I thought this was going to be great. It'd be fun. Everybody would have a good time with it. Everybody, I mean, it would just be great. I tried to get Mike to shave his beard. But he wouldn't do it. He had, like, all kinds of excuses. Well, Billy's out of town, and she won't like it. And, and, and for a big guy, he's quite a whiner. Like, I mean, it was like, I was like, shy, like, man, come on. And I know what you might be thinking. Why don't you just shave yours, Pastor? Because it took too long to grow. That's why I've been doing this since I'm 17, man. The other day, I'm like looking at Jaira, and he's got like all these patches and stuff. I'm like, dude, you got to shave. It ain't going to happen until you're 50. Like, it's just not going to, like, you can't. And, and so, so it's one of those things, like, 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 have you ever seen, and, and this is kind of like, this is, this is what Mike told me. He's like, you ever seen a man that like shaved his, like had a beard and shaved it, and one day it just shaved it off, and you didn't recognize him? Look like that. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. Walk into church, you'd be like, hey, nice to meet you. How are you? How long you been coming here? I'm the pastor. Like, I've been here a long time. It's kind of weird. And so, like, I was working really hard to convince Mike to, to, like, to shave it. And I'm like, look, man, yours will grow back fast because you're younger than me. And so I, like, Googled how long does it take to grow a beard. And the answers are all over the place. Like, three weeks, six weeks, two months, 18 hours. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, was, it was crazy. And, and everybody talks about, like, well, I don't want to shave it off. And I don't want to grow it back because you go through the itchy phase. And, I, and it's just this, this whole thing. Here's the point that I'm trying to make to start out this message. When you grow a beard, it takes time. Eventually, you get to the place where you want it to be. It's really long or it's short or it's just, it's, 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 it's what you want. And, and, and you've worked towards it. There's a process that it took to get you the beard that you want. Now, let's kind of take that thought and put that on pause for a second, and let me ask you another question. Not how long does it take to grow a beard, but how long does it take to get over certain things? Particularly what I want to talk about today is how long does it take to get over shame? Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like that thing, that season in your life 
that thing that you did, and, and let's be honest, let's just own it. You did it, right? I mean, you, you did it. You did it, and it's brought you shame. Or maybe it was something that was done to you. Like, you didn't do it, but, but, you, but something happened to you. And it legit happened to you. And it's caused you shame. How long does it take to get over that? A week? Ten days? Six months? Two years? Ten years? There are people in this room, you've been struggling with the shackles of shame for months. Two years? Three years? Ten years? Fifteen? Twenty years? Listen to me. Shame is very real. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that shame is not the life that Jesus Christ has called you to live. Living in shame is not what God has intended for you. But how do you get past it? And how do you get through it? Is it even possible to get past it? Now, let's put that thought on the side for a second. And let's come back to the beard for a second. In the Bible, in, in the ancient world, when King David ruled in Israel. King David, we've talked about him before. He's the same David, David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba. You know a lot of stuff about David. When King David ruled in Israel, a beard was a sign of a man's strength. If a man had a beard, that meant he was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was willing to go to war and fight. The beard was symbolic of a man's strength. That's super, super, super important to know as we dive into this story. This story is really cool. Second Samuel Chapter 10, verse 1, here we go. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanun became king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanun, just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So apparently they had some kind of relationship, some kind of king relationship, and they were loyal to each other. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanun about his father's death. Now, that's a very common practice in the ancient world. It's common today. For example, if like another nation, like if, if a head of state dies in another nation, the United, Na- the United States will usually send a delegation to pay respects to that nation. It's a practice that's been going on for like thousands of years. And so in this story, King David sent ambassadors to go express sympathy for King Nahash. So in other words, the ambassadors were on assignment from the king. The ambassadors were on assignment from the king. The ambassadors were on assignment from the, from the king. The apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if we are in Christ, we are his. Anybody want to guess? Ambassadors. And guess what? If you're in this room, if you're living, if you're breathing, God the king has an assignment for your life. You are his ambassador. The reason you're on this planet is not to just take up space. And listen, it's not to sit in shame. It's to move forward. It's to advance the kingdom. It's to live an abundant life. God did not call us to live in the shackles of shame for the rest of our life. And listen, we can't let what hurt us in the past hold us hostage for the future. Amen? Can't let what hurt us in the past hold us and hostage for the future. These ambassadors were on assignment. And a miracle was going to happen. Do you, know, do you know what a miracle you are? We've talked about this before. Like if your mom and dad would have waited five more minutes, you wouldn't be here. If your mama would have had that extra glass of wine, 
right? If they had decided to binge one more episode of that show, you wouldn't be here. It's a miracle that you're here. See, I hear all the time people say, well, it's just, I'm just an accident. There's nobody in this room that can, can, can claim I'm an accident. Like maybe somebody told you that. Maybe your parents told you you were an accident. Maybe you believe that you're an accident. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You were born on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. You are so unique. Isn't it crazy that nobody on the planet even has your exact DNA? And guess what? God has an assignment for your life. There's something he wants to accomplish in you. There's something he wants to accomplish through you. And it really is immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Sometimes, though, We allow the enemy to distract us and get us off track of the assignment that God has for our life. And that's what's happening in this story. These guys, David says, hey, I want you to go represent me. And they're like, okay, cool. And see, there's this huge myth in the Christian world that says as long as you do what God wants you to do, as long as you're following God's will, everything is going to be okay. Your car's always going to start. Dog's never going to get sick. You'll always get a raise at your job. Everything's going to be okay. And if you're suffering, if you're struggling, if you're experiencing shame and guilt, if something's going on in your life, it's because there's sin in your life that you won't deal with. You've got sin. You've got hidden sin. Let me ask you this question. Are these guys doing what their king asked them to do, yes or no? Yes, yes. They're going to go represent him. They're doing exactly what the king asked them to do, and they're going to face trouble. Watch this. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commander said to Hanun, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, no. David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. Now, is this true, yes or no? No, that is not true, which causes me to have the need to just tell you that if you think everyone is going to understand your assignment from God, you are absolutely crazy. In fact, one of the surest ways to make sure that you go insane is to try to make everybody around you understand the call that God has placed on your life. There is no way that everybody is going to agree with or endorse the assignment that God has put on your life. And and by the way, let me tell you this. The assignment God has put on your life was put on your life before you were born. The assignment, the call that God has placed on your life was put on your life before you were even born. Before you were born. And no person in this room, no person watching online has the power to disqualify you from the assignment that God has placed on your life before you were even born. Because listen, before you were born, did God know the sin that you were going to commit, yes or no? Yes. And he placed the assignment, he placed the call on your life Anyway, nobody in this room, even though we live in cancel culture, you can't, nobody can cancel the call God has placed on your life. You can't cancel the God call God placed on your life because it was put there before you were born. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And so you've got to stop allowing other people to cancel the the call that God has put on your life before you were even born. Don't give that kind of power to people who never believed in you in the first place. If God's called you to it, he will see you through it. Don't let people cancel the call of God on your life. Amen? That's what the enemy's trying to do right here. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Trying to cancel the calling, right? Well, it's about to get crazy. Watch this. Verse 4. 
So Hanan sees David's ambassadors, because that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to seize you. Seized his ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard. Now, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they shave it this way or this way, but it was probably dumb looking. We did this to a bee the other day. He was all excited to get it done. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if a bee was walking around here right now with just half of a bee? Can, can you imagine like what, what you would think of him? Can you imagine what behind his back you would say about him? Could you imagine the humiliation that comes with that? You're a man. You got a beard. It's symbolic of your strength and you're held down probably by several men and half of your beard is shaved. Can you imagine the humiliation that comes with that? See, if the enemy can humiliate you, he can keep you hidden away. If the enemy can, can fill you with humiliation, he'll keep you hidden away. He'll isolate you. And we talk about this all the time. When he isolates you, that's when he can destroy you. So that's pretty bad. Shaved off half of these men's beards. But that's not the worst part. Watch this. Half of each man's beard. Cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. Now, I've been to some crazy parties. I've seen some wild stuff take place, but I've never seen a group of men take another man and hold him down and cut his pants halfway at the butt. I'll show you what this looks like. A bee, come on up here, buddy. Another illustration. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine what that was like? Let's, let's say you're just out front greeting people here at Central. You're like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, how you doing? A man walks up and half his butt is hanging out. You'd be like... Oh, dude, I, I know this is central, but I mean, like, let's get you to Walmart and get you some new pants. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine the humiliation that these men felt? And they weren't doing anything bad. They were not doing anything wrong. They were representing their king. They were doing exactly what the king wanted them to do. And they ran into resistance, completely shamed. What will shame do to us? Well, let me give you an acrostic for shame to tell you what the enemy wants to do to you by shaming you. The letter S stands for silence. The enemy wants to silence you. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to talk. He doesn't want you to talk about what's going on. Shame wants to silence us and the calling that God has placed on our lives. Shame. Again, we mentioned this earlier, but I'll say it again. We live in a cancel culture, yes or no? Yes. And shame wants to silence you and cancel you, wants to cancel your joy, wants to cancel your hope, wants to cancel your peace, and wants to cancel everything anytime you get any amount of hope and you're trying to move forward. Shame screams at you, that's who you are. See, guilt, don't miss this. Guilt says that's what you did, but shame says this is who you are. This is all you'll ever be. If anybody knew what you did, and what you used, like, come on, you can't let anybody, shame will keep you shackled in silence and you'll never speak up because you're afraid that somebody is going to bring up what you did. <laughs> Many of you know um, the messages that I got on Wednesday of this week. I'm, I'm not going to read them. If you don't know what they were, good. Like, they, they weren't great. 
but I will acknowledge this. I'll stand up and I will own this. That dude was right. I used to be an addict, but I'm not anymore. I've been sober for years. I'm walking in the victory that Jesus has given me. And the same is true for some of you. You used to be a drunk. You used to be an addict. You used to live that way. But in Christ, you're a brand new person. Don't let people who don't know you define you on social media. Live the life that Jesus Christ has called you to. And don't let them silence you because their opinion of you is wrong in the first place. Amen? Don't let people silence you. Don't let shame silence you. Speak up. Yeah, you did it. But in Christ, you are brand new. It's what you did. It's not who you are. The letter H stands for hinder you. Shame will try to hinder you in your walk with God and your relationship with other people. See, we try to hide who we really are because of shame. Wednesday, we had this concert here, and this lead singer of the, of the band was talking about COVID, and he was talking about going out, and he started talking about masks. And I started thinking about back when there were mask mandates, and we went through all of that, and, you know, should we have masks, should we not have masks? And I remember being in, like, some pastor groups and everybody talking about masks in church and all this stuff, and I just remember thinking as they are going through it, like, man, shut up. People have been wearing masks in church for years. Seriously. Maybe not the, the COVID mask, but, but people walking in and pretending to be someone that they're not, hiding behind something, not being honest. Church should be the safest place in the world to admit that we're going through something. But the reason we hide stuff is because we're afraid that if people really knew what we were like, they wouldn't like us. There's a whole other message in this that we're going to come back to later on in the series. But I'll say this, and... And then I'll move on. Many times in a marriage, spouses hide things from each other because they think it's going to hinder the relationship. But what you don't realize is what is hidden will always eventually come to the surface. And then it doesn't just hinder, it destroys. And see, my point is, we, we think that we hide stuff because it's going to hinder the relationship. If, 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 if so-and-so found out, then they're not going to like me. And that's the lie the enemy wants us to believe. And he wants us to believe that when it comes to God, if we hide our sin, we've got to hide it or hold on to it. Because it hinders our relationship with God. And God is going to be mad. And God is going to destroy us. It doesn't hinder our relationship with God. Because God knows everything about us. Listen to me. God just wants us to be honest. God wants us to be open. God just wants us to be real. And I don't think we have to hide who we are from each other. Because if we've got to hide who we are, we'll need to hang out with that group of people anyway. But shame will try to hinder our relationship with God and try to hinder our relationship with others. The letter A stands for attacks our assignment. The enemy really wants to attack the assignment that God has placed on your life. Now, you've heard me talk about this dozens of times before, but I'm going to say it again. When I go somewhere, I drive. I drive. No, I ain't riding with you. I drive. I'm a control freak. I know you can't believe that about me, but I, but I am. All right? And, and here's what bothers me. Here's what bothers me. If I'm, and may, maybe this is you. Maybe some of you, like, maybe you can just let it out this morning. Let it go. Let it go. All right, maybe, maybe you're just like this. I don't, know, I don't even know where that came from. Anyway, if I'm riding with somebody and I know where I'm going and I've got my way 
and somebody tries to tell me a different way, anybody there? Anybody that just drives you crazy? Take it right here. Why? It's quicker. No, it ain't. Turn left here. Why? It's quicker. It is not quicker. I know where I'm going. Please stop telling me. I've got my path. I know how to get where I'm going. So much so that sometimes I leave here, I get home, I don't even know how I got there. Except for right now. I've been driving. Oh my gosh. I've been driving the same way home for 12 and a half years. And now Adam Street is all tore up. And I got to find a different route. And it stresses me out every single And I go, I go the wrong way every day. And somebody's telling me, keep going straight. No, I got to turn. It's quicker. No, it's not. Anyway, that's where my illustration just fell apart. But that's what the enemy tries to do. Tries to distract us. We're on our journey. We're taking our next steps. We're doing what we know God has called us to do. We're going. And the enemy tries to distract us by telling us, that's what you did. That's who you are. If your people really knew what you did 10 years ago, would they listen to you? I mean, if they really knew who you, if they really knew about that time, then spring, I mean, if you really, and at the end of the day, the enemy wants us to focus on the past so we can't look towards the future. And so he attacks our assignment. Letter M stands for manipulates our mindset. The enemy wants you to believe that God can love, forgive, and restore other people, just not you. Like everybody but you. Isn't that true? Like for me, I believe that God can love, forgive, and heal, and restore other people. But I'm my biggest doubter. And hey, let me give you some information that maybe you don't know about you. Your biggest hater is you. And you've got to stop hating on you. Because God has never hated on you, ever. That's later on in the series, too. The letter E stands for expects us to settle for less. The enemy tries to shame us so that we will settle for less than God's best. Shame says, oh, hey, that's the life you could have had. But because you did this, you're canceled. And nothing could be further from the truth. If you're still breathing, then there's a reason for you to be on this planet. See, watch what happens. This is crazy. Verse 5. When David heard what had happened. Hold up. The king heard what happened. The king heard what had happened. The king was aware of the shameful situation that his ambassadors were experiencing. Listen, one of the questions I get asked a lot as a pastor, and I'll be honest with you. For years, I didn't have a good answer for this. But it's, it's this. Hey, Ryan, if God is so big and God is so powerful and God is so good and God is so great, then where was he during my suffering? But after going through some stuff, after watching some of you go through some stuff, after walking with you through some stuff, I can tell you exactly where God was during your suffering, right beside you. See, we have a God who can identify with us in our suffering because he actually suffered too. The cross is a reminder that God suffered. 
And God suffered way more than we have so he can walk with us and strengthen us as we suffer too. Yes, we've gone through some stuff, but guess what? The king knows exactly what we're going through and he's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's been with us the whole entire time. That's what's happening here. David was aware. He sent messengers to tell, watch this, I love this. Sent messengers to tell the men, stay at Jericho. Not forever. But how long should we stay at Jericho, king? Stay at Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. Stay at Jericho. Stay at Jericho until your beards grow out. Listen, don't miss it. This is, this is so cool. So cool. He didn't say, hey, you go to Jericho. You go to Capernaum. You go to Tiberias. You go to Joppa. He didn't separate them. He said, you guys, as a group, stay together, go to Jericho, because healing doesn't happen in isolation. You can't heal yourself. It's going to happen in the context of community. You guys go to Jericho until your beards grow back. He put them in an environment where they could heal together. And I think, I think that that's what the church should be. I think that God has put us in an environment where we can heal together. Listen, there's no perfect people in this room. Nobody, including the guy up here on stage. There's nobody perfect. But God has created an environment where we can stay and we can heal together. Uh, and and this, is what, this is what I think happened. I can't prove this. I know some of you think, you take a lot of liberties when you read the Bible. I, I do. I put myself in certain situations, and I, I could just imagine these guys. Like, let, let's, say, let's say they've been in Jericho for a month. And they're ashamed. Half their beard's been shaved off and their clothes, I mean, they probably went and got new clothes. But I could just imagine that they're sitting around one day and one day one guy looks at another guy and just says, you know what, man? I need to tell you something. I know we went through some stuff back there. I, I know some horrible things took place. I, I, I know it's brought us deep shame. But hey, man, you need to know your beard's growing back. I know you can't see it, but, but man, I can see it. I, I, I know it's not where it was. I know it's not where you want it to be, but your beard's growing back. And one day it's going to get back to the place that it was. Heck, it's going to get back better than it ever was before. And the other guy says, hey, man, you know what? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go say anything. But because you said something, I'm going to say something too. Your beard's also growing back. I, I wasn't going to say nothing. I wasn't going to let you know. But, but since you told me, I'm going to tell you, hey, you know what? I see it. Your beard's growing back. And it became an environment where people actually encouraged each other. That's what we're called to do in the church. We're called to rally around and encourage each other. Hey, you know what? You're getting better. You've been sober for two weeks. Man, praise God. You haven't used in a month. That's awesome. Your marriage is growing stronger. Woo! That's great. And, and, and I know, I know, I know, I know. This is where the tough love people get all upset and say, you know what? Sometimes you've got to call it out, pastor. Sometimes you just got to show them tough love. How's that going for the church? In the churches that you know about, how's that working? By the way, tough love is often an excuse to show no love. Just want to throw that out there for somebody. Maybe somebody need to hear that. Maybe that just made me feel better. I don't know. Probably both. 
God wants us to be in an environment where we encourage one another. And the church should be the place where we don't have to pretend. Amen? Listen, we can't heal until we're willing to get real. And there are too many people afraid to admit that they're struggling with something because you saw what happened to the last person that admitted what they were struggling with. And I don't think God's goal is to push us out. I believe God's goal is to pull us in. So they're at Jericho. And meanwhile, a big fight breaks out, like a battle breaks out. And you can, I don't have time to go through it, you can read through those next verses and you can see what happens. And this battle gets so out of hand while these men are recovering in Jericho from their shame. Watch what happens in verse 17. When David heard what was happening, he mobilized all of Israel, the king. The king mobilized all of Israel. That's awesome. Mobilize all of Israel, cross the Jordan River. I'll talk about that in a second because that's incredibly significant. Cross the Jordan River and led the army to Helam. The Arameans positioned themselves in battle formation and fought against David. But again, the Arameans fled from the Israelites. This time, David's forces killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers, including Shobach, the commander of their army. Now, let me tell you why this stuck out to me so much. Their king went to war for them. These ambassadors who are on assignment stepped into their calling and they were put to shame. And the king said, hey, you go to this place and heal and I'll fight the battle for you. Some of you need to hear this. That thing that has caused you shame for years, God is fighting that battle for you. He has mobilized forces that will absolutely blow your mind. The reason, listen to me, the reason some people are not experiencing victory in life is because you're fighting the battle that God wants to fight for you. You just need to get out of the way. This is something I learned a long time ago, that in certain situations, God has said to me, hey, Ryan, you want to fight that, or do you want me to fight that for you? Do you know how hard it is to let God fight your battles? Like, like, do you know? I mean, on the surface, that sounds good. But can I be real with you for a second? Just, just completely real. Wouldn't it be nice every once in a while just to go wear that person out that hurt you? Wouldn't it be? But you know, nobody's saying yes. You're all trying to be too holy this morning. Your, your halo's a little crooked. Anyway, um, you know the problem with that? Do you know? You fought the battle that God wanted to fight. That's the problem. God's like, all right. If you want to do it, that's fine. But if we'll just move out of the way, if we'll stay at Jericho and heal, God will fight that battle. And as I read this, one of the things that I'm reminded of is is the cross and the empty tomb. Because right where it says, David heard what was happening and he mobilized all of Israel and he crossed the Jordan River. If I could show you this on a map, Jerusalem is, is up on the mountain and the Jordan River is like down in the valley. So the king had to come. Don't miss this. This this is huge. The king had to come from a high position to a low position. Just like in Philippians chapter 2, where the apostle Paul tells us that Jesus humbled himself, came from a high position to a low position. The king went from a high position to a low position and crossed the Jordan River. You know what was on the other side of the Jordan River? The enemy's territory. So King David came down from Jerusalem, crossed the Jordan River, went into the enemy's camp and fought a battle that these guys couldn't fight, and he won. And that reminds me of Jesus, who came down from heaven to earth and through the cross, 
cross over into the enemy's territory and took away the keys of death from Satan. And today, as followers of Jesus, we can know that we can be victorious over anything that comes our way because of two things, the cross and the empty tomb. The cross is a reminder that Jesus came from heaven to earth and literally died on the cross. And listen, Jesus did not die on the cross so we can sit in the shackles of shame and be silenced for the rest of our life. All of our sin, all of our shame nailed to the cross. I'm going to tell you, I love the cross. I do. One of the the things we get asked around here a lot and kind of get dogged about it is, why are there crosses at Central? I don't understand that because there's a cross on the front of the building. There's a cross in the foyer. There's a cross on the drums. People are, there's no cross in the sanctuary. There's there's no cross and you've got to have a cross. Listen, Jesus is not still on the cross. He is not still on the cross because why I celebrate, I love the cross. We can, we can appreciate the cross. Thousands and thousands of people were killed by the Roman Empire by being crucified on a cross. Only one came back to life. Jesus was dead and came back to life. He's not on the cross. He came down. He died, but he came back to life. Maybe part of you, maybe you feel like there's part of you that is dead. Today, you can know for a fact that Jesus wants to bring that area of your life back to life. Because that's the God we serve. He doesn't want us to sit in the shackles of shame. He wants us to step out of the shadows and into the abundant life that the Savior has promised every single one of us. Jesus came from death to life. And his will for us who follow him is to step from death to life. See, when I see the cross, I see freedom, freedom from my sin, freedom from my shackles, freedom from my shame. But when I see the empty tomb, see, when you really see the empty tomb, that's when you see victory because you see Jesus coming back to life. You see him conquering death. And because he lives, you and I can live. And because he overcame the grave, you and I could overcome anything that the world throws at us. Because the Bible says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That means because of the resurrection power that we have, we can be overcomers. That's a promise he made to us 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. And so if you're here and you struggle with shame. Today, you could take your first step to those shackles coming off. You could take that step by just saying, hey, you know what, Jesus? That might be what I did. That might be what happened to me, but that's not who I am. I want to find my identity in you. Shame has no power over me. Listen to me, church. Shame has no power over you. When you follow Jesus Christ, the enemy has no power over you. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for every single person right now in this room that wrestles with shame. Jesus, I pray that you would remind us over these next few moments together that the cross, that at the cross, that on that cross, our sin, our shame, you paid for it. You paid for every single bit of it. And the empty tomb is a reminder that you have not called us to hide out in isolation, but to live in freedom freedom from the past, freedom from the fear, freedom from the shame, freedom from the guilt, freedom from the hurt. Jesus, I pray that we'll see the cross and we'll see freedom. And as we see the empty tomb, Jesus, that we'll see life, the life that you have promised every one of us. 
maybe some of you, maybe that, that life doesn't really make sense. Maybe that, that idea of the, the victory, maybe it's just not there yet. And, and the reason why is because, yeah, you, you, you've heard, you, you've heard that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the grave to pay for your sin, but, but, but you've, never, you've never called out your need to a Savior. You've never received that, that call that he's placed on your life. And, and so when I talk about assignment, you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, and, and, but I want to know. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so maybe you've never done that. Let me give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you want to have Jesus in your life, then right where you sit, you can, just, you can just pray this prayer. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And today I ask you to forgive me. Today I ask you to come into my life and save me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you did that to pay for my sin. And so today I say I'm sorry and again ask your forgiveness. Come into my life, be my Lord, be my God, be my King, be my Savior. All of me for all of you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for my sin and saving me. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know. There'll be people in the back of the sanctuary as Mike leads us in a song who would love to pray with you for you and celebrate with you and help you take your next steps. Maybe some of you, maybe you're wrestling with shame or maybe there's something going on in your life and you, you, just want, you just want prayer. Again, this is a place where we encourage each other. This is a place where we know that we come and we heal because healing happens in the context of community. It's not just to come and sing. It's not just to hear a message, but, but it's, it's for us to rally around each other, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other. So as Mike leads us, this, this is what I want you to do. I, w- I want you to sit, and I want you to listen to the words of this song. And I want you to just spend some time in prayer with your Savior, thanking Him. And if you need prayer, if there's anything we can help you with, the back corners of the sanctuary and our prayer stations, we would love to pray with you and for you. And so right now, Jesus, we just ask you to move in ways only you can. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, in your name, Jesus. Amen. I heard Shane told you a story that you can't escape your past and that the innocence you lost is no way to get it back. I heard fear sold you some fiction You bought everything he had Made you too afraid to live Keep your heart under attack They say you're too guilty for his grace You're too far gone and now you're too late But the cross says they're wrong don't believe 
words they say Let the truth wash him away Cause his blood says you love Every lie is bound to leave When there's nothing you believe But the cross I've been right there where you're standing All those things they told me to I was out of second chances And I was only born to lose They said I was born to lose But the cross says they're wrong Don't believe the words they say But the truth washed them away Cause his blood says you're loved And every lie is bound to leave When there's nothing you believe But the cross Shame tells me I'm broken But I know I'm forgiven Fear tells me it's over But this is the beginning Whoa, whoa They can say whatever they want Oh, oh, they can say whatever they want, but the cross says they're wrong. Don't believe the words they say, cause the truth washed it away. Oh, his blood says I'm loved. Every lie is bound to leave, but there's nothing we believe. But the cross But the cross But the cross